The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. Now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of The Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I have Andrew Pace. I'm going to call him Andy. Because we've been chopping it up here a little bit uh, pre uh, pre show, and um, man, I really love this guy already. I think we're going to be uh, lifelong friends. What do you think, Andy? I think so. You and I have got a lot in common, and I, I, I've been looking forward to this conversation for quite a while now. Yeah. So why don't you tell the guests, um, you know, um, what, what, what's your company? First off, what's your your company's name? Like just just in case they want to kind of look you up real quick, and then we'll do that at again at the end. Because this usually I wait till the end, and please wait till the end because we got some cool stuff to share with you. But I, this is so important. I'm going to put it at the front and the beginning. So where do they where where do they contact you? All right. So my company is called GDC Building for Health. Center dot com is really the main way to get to us. Started the company back in 1992. So it's the Green Design Center. The Green Design com. Okay. All right. So, yeah, go ahead and just tell us your backstory now, brother. Like, how the heck did you get into this? And, and just so for those of you listening, this isn't like the green building movement came out and then Andy jumped on the bandwagon and then made a discovery. He was doing this stuff way before there was any green movement. He was already. You you were the movement. You were like the tip of the spear, but nobody knew about you. You know that's that's pretty accurate. We um, my background is actually commercial construction and architecture. I started with a family business in in the late '80s, uh, working in that industry and working with architects and engineers across the country. And we actually were working on a project in downtown Milwaukee, where at the time we were supplying a water-based epoxy floor coating for a a parking garage uh, two levels below um, ground floor. After the primer coat was applied to the surface, we started getting phone calls from people working and living in the condominiums above complaining of the fumes. Mm -hmm. Now, we did all the precautions we knew of. You know, it's 1992, 91. We thought, well, it's water-based. It's got to be safe. Uh, we'll put up the plastic. We'll, we'll make sure that all the vents are closed, so that none of the fumes travel through the vents. But what we didn't really realize or take into consideration was the large volume of material we were putting down. As that product cures, it literally sucks the oxygen out of the room. And so people were calling and complaining about the odors. One of them happened to be a United States Senator's office. So we took <laughs> <laughs> notice really quick. But I'll tell you what really got us was three of our own workers were rushed to the hospital because of inhalation complications. Mm, No oxygen. Yep. No oxygen. They couldn't breathe. And we shut the project down. We had to go on a worldwide search literally to try to find a coding to finish the project for our client because we had a contract to finish this project for them. And we happened upon a very small company in California called AFM Safecoat, American Formulating and Manufacturing. AFM 
was a small, very small manufacturer supplier of what were called toxin-free, healthy coatings and finishes. Now, again, early 90s, everybody thought water-based meant safe. The, the, the entire conversation about toxins, it, it was completely new to me. Uh, but after the research we did to make sure we chose the right material, we also started looking into things like environmental illness and sick building syndrome that led us to multiple chemical sensitivities. And we realized that there's this enormous population of the country, somewhere around between 15 and 25% actually, that suffer from chemical sensitivities in one form of an, or another. And products by AFM and others that we found in the last 30 years cater to these folks. Now, as you said before, this is before the green building movement. Mm -hmm. uh, matter of fact, um, the United States Green Building Council didn't even start for a few years later. And they started their first building rating system about five years after that. So we were well before the green building movement. We were actually selling these materials as healthy, common sense materials. Healthy common sense materials. That makes sense. Right. Because it's common sense. So, so you, your, your family's been in the is supplying materials. It was just, you kind of grew up, it was kind of in your DNA. Yes. And because of this experience with this parking garage and, and all the complaints and watching three of your workers collapse and have to go to the hospital, you realize that maybe something needs to change there. Yeah, we, we, we needed to uh, make a change, not only for our own company, but for our customers, for the, for the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, we figured that, uh, you know, we, we had been in business since 1938 here in Wisconsin, and we weren't ready to give up on that uh, long-standing uh, business relationship we have with our clients to sell a, a couple of gallons of, of toxic materials. So we went on this quest, this search to find healthier materials to do the same jobs. Now, interestingly enough, at the time we were selling just commercial mm -hmm. builders, architects, so forth. Well, a good friend of mine in the industry was the manager of the uh, building and grounds for the largest uh, healthcare facility in Wisconsin. And like I a, like up, a hospital? Uh, yeah, hospital complex, the Milwaukee County Medical Complex. So I called him up and I said, Jim, I've got this new paint that I guess doesn't have any toxins in it. They're talking about volatile organic something or other, and but it's free of that. And I said, from what I'm told, people who have the most extreme sensitivities can be in the same room while they're doing it and it won't affect them. And he said, well, bring a bucket over. He said, we always get complaints from the staff. Whenever we're painting rooms in the hospital, we have to shut down the entire wing because certain doctors or nurses can't be around that. It causes migraines and so forth. So mm. I said, bring it on over. Let's see what our guys do with it. So I brought over a five-gallon bucket of paint. They started painting a room. It's looking great. I can't smell a thing. My friend is nudging me saying, this is going to save us tens of thousands of dollars a month in not having to close these wings down. Yeah. At the end of the of that one job, the painter said, yeah, we're not going to use it. The and painter said? The painter said. And Jim says to me, well, I guess that's it. We can't, we can't really use it then if they don't agree with it. And I asked him why. And he said, well, hospital has a contract with the painting co company. 
that painting company uh, is really in charge of deciding whether or not we're going to use the products or not, because they're the ones who have to apply it. Mm-hmm. And the hospital buys paint for $15 a gallon because we're buying 10,000 gallons a year. And he gets to buy all of his paint for his side jobs at the same price. So if, if there's any possibility of his price increasing and losing his profit margin, he's going to say no. So, so it always, it, it, it's, it, it's one of those things where we know it's good for us. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nurses and doctors are having headaches. They can't be around it. Certain amount of patients have sensitivities. Right. And it's kind of like the harmful, if swallowed toothpaste, please contact the <laughs> controls, uh, poison control center. You know, right. some, you know, it's, you're swallowing a little bit of that crap every day and, yep. it, and it is affecting you. So even if you don't have noticeable symptoms, there's a toxic called bioaccumulation building up in the body and in the liver. Yeah. Right. And um, so it just makes sense. Hey, let's do it good. But again, it's always, it's so this green opportunity for this hospital to have a healthy air, much more healthier air um, is thwarted because of um, it's over money again. Right. Right. It comes down to, to finances, but you know, the interesting thing was at the end of that first meeting I had with them, I had two nurses come up to me because they saw what was going on and they asked me what brand of paint we were using because they were the ones who would complain normally. And they said, where can I buy this from my house? Hmm. And it dawned on me that I have to sell retail and it's a big departure for me. I'm used to working commercial. I never had a retail store before, but it, it really launched GDC building for health when that those two people said they want to buy paint for their home. And since then we have now found close to 7,000 materials that we can say are healthier for the occupants versus their traditional counterparts. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So it's just one of those things where you started going down the rabbit hole. It's almost echoing the same thing that happened to me in, 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 in my company. I didn't even, well, me, I didn't even know what I was going to do. I'm just like, I'm going to help people with their health. And I just started doing what I could, coaching people, teaching classes and that kind of stuff. And from that, it kind of evolved. I had this lady this one time and she had uh, kidney issues. She was in her 70s. I believe her name was Karen. And she lived out in Estacada, Oregon, which from where I was over in Tigard, uh, in bad traffic, it was going to be a three, four hour round trip mm. just to get over and back. And she's like, Tim, I went into doctor, um, uh, I just can't remember which doctor it was, but um uh, Bailey, Dr. Bailey's office. He was one of our drop spots. I used to grow, um, sprouts and wheat grass and, and deliver them live. So we were selling living foods and most of our patients were cancer patients or people with extreme mm-hmm. um, issues like this gal, her liver or her kidneys were failing. And, um, anyway, um, she, her tray of wheatgrass wasn't there. And she called me up and said, Hey, I, I need to get my wheatgrass. Um, it wasn't there. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to do this. And I, I, and I had just had done the numbers. I was actually selling the stuff cheaper than what it, I was like paying people to buy it from me basically. Right. Cause I was doing that on the side. I turned my retrofit of my garage into a, a, a literally a, a sprout growing operation. Mm. We were delivering sprouts and wheatgrass to 40, 50 cancer patients a week in the Portland, Vancouver mm. area while I was a financial advisor. So I, I, I just gotten in this huge bag of this green powder 
to, for me, cause I healed myself doing, you know, one of my main things was doing a green juice morning. And again, in the afternoon, fresh green juice with fresh cut sprouts and celery and cucumber every day. That was what I learned at the Hippocrates health Institute. And, um, but when I was traveling, I was having a really hard time finding a good, you know, good stuff, finding sprouts, having them shipped, bringing my juicer with me. It was cumbersome. So I was, I just wanted to have a powder for traveling. Long story short, I talk her into taking the powder. She's like, you said the powders aren't as good. And I'm like, well, I'll just try it out, you know? And she called me up a week later. And she's like, I love this. It, she goes, it gives me as much energy as the fresh press stuff, but I don't have to clean that damn juicer, you know? <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. And she's like, uh, I, and then a week later, she's like, I need to order some more. And I'm thinking, wow, I can't get you into this guy. I, he's, he's an old dude. He won't take on any more clients. I barely got in because it was best friend 40 years. He let me in. And I called him up and I said, Hey, will you take on one more client? He's like, no, um, he goes, I shouldn't even took a new one. I was like, well, will you just send me a big bag of the stuff and I'll, I'll bag it up for and send it to her. So I shipped her a bag and here I am. I got this big dry erase board trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. <laughs> and, and then, um, and then she, she ran out and then she's like, I need more. So I, you know, sent her some more. And then all of a sudden it was like, Eureka. I'm like, Oh, there's a business here. I can mm -hmm. supply her with a good quality product. And that's what happened to you when those nurses came up. You got it. You got it. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it sounds very similar to to my story in that, you know, we both of us knew that there was something here, didn't really know what avenue to take in order to achieve our goals. But it was, for me, it was the the desire to do something that I knew was helping people. Mm -hmm. And... I remember my first clients after this, I started a small little catalog company, you know, cause at the time, you know, internet wasn't even available yet. And so, or it, especially e-commerce, I started a little catalog company. We'd mail these catalogs out and um, I started selling product through the mail and people would send me letters saying, you, you saved our project. We can actually live in our house again. Mm. Um, this one client of mine, she lived in one room of her house that was coated completely in aluminum foil on all sides, the floor, the ceiling, because she couldn't tolerate the chemical outgassing from anything in that room, anything in her house. But once she covered it with aluminum foil, it was completely sealed up from off-gassing so she could live in that space. But she was in that room for two years. And I hooked up with her and her husband on a call one day and uh, I started sending them some of the paints and coatings and adhesives and so forth. Her husband was trying to remodel another house to make it healthy for her. And lo and behold, uh, it, it worked. It, you know, mm -hmm. we got all the surfaces sealed. Everything that needed to be repaired was repaired using non-toxic materials. And she sent me this four page double-sided letter <laughs> basically saying that without my help and the materials that she doesn't even know she'd be here today. And I thought I can do this for a living. I mean, even if <laughs> yeah, I don't make man. a lot of money at it at the end of the day, it's, 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 it makes me happy. It makes other people not only happy, but it's it literally saving their lives. And, and so that was how many years ago now, and now we yeah. actually have a business that's sustainable. Uh, it's still in some instances, a labor of love, 
um, because we're fighting against the big box stores and the giant manufacturers and retailers. And that's, that's a tall order for a small business, but I would not change it for anything. Well, what you're really fighting against is, uh, is uh, lack of education. Yeah. That's what it yeah. really is. And it that's, is. Yeah. It's like, it's like me, like, like our green product with like this one, you can see here, you guys uh-huh. listen, you can't see it, but um, it's called green 85 juice formula. If I was to use normal markups, that would be 117 to $127 a jar. Mm-hmm. We sell it uh, for 67 and there's price breaks for packs and, and discounts uh-huh. and stuff like that because it's, it was a, it's more of a labor of love, right? Yep. And then all these other green products are, you know, somewhere between 30 and a hundred bucks, right? right? So we're kind of in the middle of the deal, not trying to be the cheapest or the most expensive, but I, I you know, it's going to take like three to six cans of the other stuff to equate the nutrient profile in ours. And most importantly, we don't have things like magnesium stearate, silicon dioxide, dicalcium phosphate. So we're going to get into the EPA later. So we'll wait on that one. But um, uh, one question I did have for you, there was a, um, uh, well, how is it, how is it, how is, how's your business been affected by COVID? I mean, people are probably, they're home more, they're working home more. So they're more being exposed to, um, you know, maybe some of the toxins and stuff at home. What's been going on with that? You know, it's interesting. The first month of when COVID hit last year, I think everybody just kind of took a pause. Uh, Everybody that I know in in all aspects of business, they all had one month where I don't think anybody called or, or went anywhere to visit. So sales were kind of flat. But starting April of last year, sales hit an all time high month over month over month, because as you say, people are at home mm-hmm. and they've got you know, kids over here studying on, on uh, homeschooling over here. Uh, they're trying to do a Zoom call with their work staff over here. In the meantime, they're looking at all the things in their home, the walls and the ceilings and the floors that they want to repair or remodel. And, and they're looking at it and saying, I wonder if, if I do this while I'm living here, do I have to breathe this stuff in? Now, I think with most people, it's out of sight, out of mind. So they hire mm-hmm. a contractor or remodeler to remodel a room, but they they uh, cordon off the area with plastic. They don't really look at it too much. They try not to get involved in all the different chemicals and toxins that are being used. They're just looking forward to the finished product. But when you're living there during that, and you have to, you're forced to breathing in that air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything changes. So I I got phone calls from people who could care less about environment and chemical sensitivity and so forth, but just said, I don't want to be living in here while they're painting this room because I don't want to breathe that stuff in. Yeah. And so they really do care about it. They just wouldn't admit it. Yeah. One thing for everybody listening today, this is a, this is the big takeaway. Well, one of them, you're going to get a ton. You guys are going to get so much. So get out your notepads because we're going to drop some crazy truth bombs and uh, uh, it's going to improve your health. But is that when you paint as an example, that's the easiest one. You smell it. It stinks. You know, it's not good for you. The people that are painting, they're wearing respirators. You know, you see it, it just, it makes sense because it's not out of sight or out of mind. It's, it's not, well, it's out of sight, but you can smell it with one of your senses. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but what people think is, is they think it, it kind of dries and then that's it. And it goes away and it's not, it's not off gassing anymore. Right. It's still off gassing. Mm -hmm. Right. How long does paint off gas? 
Pain will off gas anywhere from two and a half to four and a half years after it reaches a full cure. So a full cure with any water-based paint is about a week to 10 days. The odor starts going away after about 24 hours. So you can see what's happening here. The odor starts to go away after 24 hours and it's still curing. But once it reaches a full cure, it'll off gas in that space for up to four and a half years. Now, this is for any water-based paint, including these paints that are being marketed as zero VOC. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like your house is full of asbestos. You know, it's bad. It's not a good thing. But the asbestos is gone. You can't smell it anymore. Right. But you have like a little uh, asbestos thief and he sticks a straw through your window every once in a while. And about every hour, he blows a little asbestos in there. Right. 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 That's well, your you paint. Know, it's still off gassing. You don't see it. You don't smell it, but it's still coming in. It's, it's still harming the body, right? Yes, it is. And and the biggest problem we have, one of the big problems we have, I should say, is people associate odors with toxins. Mm-hmm. So we all know that natural gas, if you had a natural gas leak in your house, you'd smell it because they actually add a chemical into the gas so we would detect it. Chemical off-gassing normally does not have an aroma whatsoever. What chemical off-gassing is, is we, we know what the curing process is, right? When you put a coat of paint on wall, the water and the solvent come off of the surface, evaporate off the surface, and allows the film to form. That's the curing process. That's a chemical process of of that film forming. Now, once that film is formed and it's fully coalesced and it's it's as hard as it's going to get, off-gassing now starts. And what off-gassing is, technically, it's the release of unreacted chemical monomers that come off of the surface because they will never stay as part of that surface. These are extra ingredients that manufacturers add in uh, because of just in case or what if, uh, you know, if you look at, you know, baking a cake, if you add a cup of flour in a, in a, in a cake and it turns out perfect, what if, what if you add a cup and a couple of pinches extra, it'll probably turn out okay too. And this is what manufacturers will do. They won't necessarily make their ingredients a perfect mixture because they realize these are being applied in maybe uh, temperatures that are too low, too high, they put it on too thick, all these variants. And these extra chemicals that are used never become part of the mixture. Therefore, they continue to poke out year after year. Mm. And so if the paint's off-gassing, then you add that to the carpet, in the furniture and the cabinetry and everything else in your house. And it creates this chemical soup. And that's really, you know, what we try to do is eliminate that chemical soup in the house. Okay, cool, man. Well, let's take a quick break. When we get back, let's talk about some of that stuff in the chemical soup and the ingredients in some of these building products. We'll be right back. Humans only use 10% of the brain, and that can't change no matter how much we try. But you don't need to limit your body to the same standards. Bring your cells to 100% with Green 85 Juice Formula. Replace 85% of nutrients your body needs to function to the next level. Our chemical-free juice formula is 100% organic, contains no stimulants, and is made right here in the USA. Visit ChemicalFreeBody.com and get Green 85 shipped right to your door. ChemicalFreeBody.com 
What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Andy Pace, uh, thegreendesigncenter.com. Um, so, Andy, we, you were, we were just alluding to this toxic soup in the house. You know, you've got the paint off-gassing in the home. You've got uh, glues from particle boards off-gassing, especially in the summertime when it's heated. If you've got carpet, you know, that where does the carpet come from? Well, it comes from crude oil, and it's made with 3,000 chemicals, and that's off-gassing. And you've got mm -hmm. your, your bed sheets, and you've got uh, fire retardant sprayed on your Samsung uh, television that you pushed a button and said, yes, you can look at me 24 seven. I mean, did you know that? Did you know that you, in the, you ever seen that Samsung? Like yep. when you buy the TV, you're actually agreed to them. They can view you. Oh, it's, it's right scary. there in the deal. Like they're, even scary. when the TV shut off, they're watching you. So uh, oh, that's boy. a little, that's a little uh, shocker for those listening. If you didn't know that, yeah, like Samsung, <laughs> if you have a Samsung TV, I don't know what the other ones are, but I know Samsung's doing it. They're watching <laughs> you. They're watching wow. us. Crazy, right? Yes, it is. So we have all these toxic compounds in the house. Let's talk about ingredients. And yes. let's just take something that I know you're an expert on, and that's paint. Mm -hmm. So usually you would think that there's a government agency, in this case it would be the Environmental Protection Agency or the EPA, and they're looking out for us consumers, right? That's why we the people um, have all these politicians and people, and they've got the people in the EPA, and we pay their salaries to protect us. So what, what, are, what are the protections that the EPA has done? So when we're reading a, uh, an ingredient label on, let, let's say, a can of paint, we can go through those ingredients and see if that's going to be good for our, ourselves and our children. Well, that's a great question, Tim. I, and, and I like that question because it allows me to use one of my favorite lines, which is, it's the EPA, it's not the HPA. It's the Environmental Protection Agency, not the Human Protection Agency. And so the, the Environmental Protection Agency is there to protect the environment. It's there to protect outdoor air and water and so forth. So when the EPA started regulating chemicals in paint, specifically VOCs, and I'll, well, let me explain what a VOC let's, is. Yeah, let's go into VOCs and break that sure. down at a fifth grade level. For me. <laughs> so a VOC stands for a volatile organic compound. Mm -hmm. A volatile organic compound is any carbon-based molecule that's readily vaporized at room temperature that could release from the material, rise into the atmosphere, react with nitrogen and UV to create low-level smog and ozone. Again, outdoor air pollution. The VOC regulation written by the EPA has absolutely nothing to do with direct human health. It has to do with outdoor air pollution. But it also, from what I'm gathering, it has nothing to do with indoor pollution either. Exactly, because inside of the home. V so if you're talking about VOCs, like I'm buying a can of paint. Oh, it's VOC free. Mm -hmm. Who gives a rat's? It has nothing to do, is it what I'm getting, <laughs> for indoor air quality. Right. You know, you, you and I were chatting about this before. It's very similar to saying fat-free mm -hmm. on a label. Yeah. You say your paint is zero VOC. Great. It doesn't have any EPA-regulated carbon-based compounds that could turn into outdoor air pollution. However, it does contain or could contain 37 chemicals that the EPA says are okay to use, even though they are carbon-based chemicals. It could also contain one of 90,000 chemicals that the EPA has approved for use in this country that we have no idea what they do to the human body. So by saying it doesn't have a VOC in it, that's fine when you're dealing with outdoor air pollution, but inside of a home, first of all, there's not enough nitrogen and UV to ever cause smog 
uh, or low level or ozone in your house, mm-hmm. right? Number two, while some VOCs are dangerous for humans, many are actually, some are completely harmless, specifically in the way they're being used in building materials. So I'll give you an example. If you open up a can of acetone, and we all know what acetone is, it's it's nail, nail polish, polish remover. Yeah. yeah. Horrible stuff. Nasty. Open up a can of acetone in the house. Within 15 minutes, everybody in the home, no matter where they are in that house, will have detectable levels of acetone in their liver. Yet, the EPA deems that as zero VOC. Whoa. So, uh, right now, my heart is going out to all these Asian ladies at the nail salons. Mm -hmm. They're sitting there applying this stuff um, all day long, you know, because... Man, I actually have a friend of mine who he helped do the marketing for green nail salon, like organic nail salons. Now I'm wondering how green it really is. So acetone, 15 minutes in a house, anybody in the house, it'll be detectable in the liver. Mm-hmm. Perfect example, right? You can smell nail polish. It stinks and stuff like that. But right. some of these things you're saying have no smell and they could be doing the same thing. This again, like, I don't know if you've ever done this, Andy, but if you go type in your browser and those listening, you've heard me say this many times. If you've been listening to our show for a while is that just look up uh, the three words, umbilical cord and the word chemical type that into your browser and see what pops up. And you'll see the studies going back to 2005 that show that every single child, um, young baby that's born and that young mother, they test the umbilical cord blood. They're looking for about 400 toxic chemicals, right? Mm -hmm. They find about 71% of what they're looking for. 250. And 180 of those cause cancer in humans. Let me repeat that. They cause cancer in humans and they're in babies. Mm. And 212 cause developmental and brain disorders. And those are in our youngest, healthiest of of us. So what does that mean for the rest of us that are older like me? I'm 47. How old are you? 50. You're 50. So we've had longer to breathe, eat, drink, and have our skin come into contact with thing mm-hmm. on this planet. So we've had more time to bioaccumulate toxins. Right. So that's when I sat back after reading those studies and I was like, oh my God, we are all polluted, but you just yeah. can't see it. Right. It's, it's, it's this pollution stuff. And there's mm-hmm. well over a hundred thousand toxic chemicals out there. And from what I heard, there's less than one quarter of 1% are actually tested by the EPA. And then the rest, the rest are just let out there, I guess. I mean, can you talk about the EPA's process and how they decide what's good for us and what's not? Yeah, the, the EPA's process is essentially when, a, when a, a company develops a new chemical compound, they submit it to the EPA for approval. Mm-hmm. The EPA has a period of time where they get to go through the process of, of discovery and research. I believe it's 90 days. Uh, it may be a little longer now. Uh, but there's a there's a backlog of I can't tell you how many years. I think the last time I heard it was like a ten year backlog. And so what happens is if you develop a new chemical compound and you submit it to the EPA for approval, they have legally this amount of time to to say it's approved or not approved. However, if they don't get to it in that legally allotted amount of time, they automatically rubber stamp approve it. Rubber stamp. Yes. Therefore, so the we only haven't way had, to get we haven't had, we haven't had is to actually go through the class action lawsuit process. That's silly. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing's ridiculous. I mean, this for everybody listening, if you have common sense, you understand that we pay the EPA Environmental Protection <laughs> Agency. 
which you think if they're protecting the environment, that would obviously protect us too, because the ecosystem, we are part of the ecosystem. So the practices to protect the ecosystem would by default protect us. And what you're telling me is these 100,000 chemicals that are out there, there's a huge backlog. They're never going to get to hardly any of them. That's why nothing gets tested. And if they don't have time to test it, let's stamp that sucker and just release it out there and then let those let these chemicals like, mm, I don't know, where could they go to? How about um, in a school building? Right. In a hospital, in your home, in your child's crib? I mean, do people see the see the issue here? Have you said, you, do you have any stories about like children having problems in, in, in schools or churches or anything like that? Oh boy. Yes. I I've done numerous projects over the years where I remember one particular in Ohio where we supplied paint, flooring, and cleaning materials, three different products for a classroom as a, as a model classroom where the rest of the school had their own, use their own materials. And they didn't tell the students which classroom was which. They just just kind of let the chips fall just as an example. And it was something like 98% of the students always felt um, more in tune with the, the teacher, meaning they could learn better mm-hmm. in that healthier classroom. A better example is there was actually a, a physician uh, many years ago who wrote a um, a book called Is This Your Child's School? Dr. Doris Rapp, R-A-P-P. And she did studies with what's called school air. And when she, she would have children in a classroom and said, now draw anything you want to draw. These are very young students, you know, first, second graders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Draw whatever you want to draw. They'll start drawing. And she would slowly incorporate air from the rest of the school into that classroom and the drawings turned in from these serene, you know, mountains and sun and animals to jagged edges and lightning and, you know, more violent pictures. And then she goes on to explain what that's actually doing in a child's body. Man, the word violent, man, that's scary. It is. It is. And so, Again, this all comes back to common sense, which is, you know, if common sense was actually common these days, we'd, we'd, we'd get, <laughs> but that's hilarious, you know, I mean, it's scary, but that's what we're right. today. But so when you had mentioned before about a, a, a company creating a new chemical, puts it in a product and then let the chips fall and, and let consumers decide whether they want to use it or not. The problem is, is that manufacturers of paint or other materials, they don't have to disclose their ingredients. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, they do have to create what's called a, a safety data sheet. Now, a safety data sheet, it, all that is, though, is essentially a how-to guide in case somebody has a chemical spill or an accident with the product on a job site. It's OSHA required. So homeowners buy a gallon of paint. They look at the can and there's maybe two ingredients listed on the side of the can, even though there's 50 to 60 different ingredients put into an actual gallon of paint. But the two they have to list are the two that are required by law to be on the safety data sheet. One is titanium dioxide, which is a ground found mineral. 
Mm-hmm. But it, you know, in in high doses and in dust, it could that cause, makes it like white, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's been tied to silicosis, um, very similar to crystalline silica. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other might be something like um, propylene glycol. Well, propylene glycol is a very close chemical relation relation to ethylene glycol. Ethylene glycol is antifreeze for your car. Highly toxic. It's a VOC, of course. It's a volatile organic compound. Um, a lot of manufacturers started taking ethylene glycol out of their paints years ago and started using propylene because propylene glycol is an FDA-approved food-grade additive. Mm-hmm. Now, you will, and many other people will argue of the dangers of propylene glycol in our foods, and I agree. But in a gallon of paint, where we're not supposed to drink it anyway, propylene glycol is completely harmless to the user and the occupants. It doesn't off-gas, completely harmless, yet the EPA paints propylene and ethylene with the exact same brush saying they're both VOCs. You can't use them in in paint because of the VOC regs. So now what does a manufacturer do? They have to, they got to replace the glycol with something else. Well, Mm -hmm. companies like AFM, they'll replace it with, you know, a higher resin content and more water, basically anything they can do to avoid having to use anything that's unhealthy. Most companies will use acetone, ammonia, and butyl acetate because all three of those are deemed unregulated by the EPA. Therefore, they can be used. Now, as you said before, the acetone and ammonia, they have a smell to them. So how can they use that in paint and get away with it? They add in what are called chemical masking agents. These are chemicals that are added to a gallon of paint to literally hide the solvent smell. So when you put it on the wall, you don't smell a thing. Mm. It's, you know, yellow and blue make green. Well, one chemical plus another chemical makes zero smell. Yeah. It's kind of like that is, fish. It's kind of like fish oils. Exactly. Right? It's just they, a they, huge they stink. They, they make you burp. So they put in the anti-smell chemicals, the anti-burping yes. medic chemicals. Right. And then people are taking fish oil as a healthy substance. It's silly. And then people think, well, it, you know, with fish oils and with, with paints, well, it doesn't smell, so it's got to be safe. Mm-hmm. And that's where we run into problems. And the regulations themselves, the VOC regulations from the mid-90s uh, to green building regulations that are are sprouting all over the country, all this is doing is making it more difficult for people to live in a healthy house, not less difficult. It's making it more difficult. So I want to go back and talk about, um, well, first off, I mean, guys, think about this. So hundreds of thousands of toxic chemicals, they're just getting rubber stamped. They're put out there. And if they don't work, then, you know, after you're all maimed and messed up and your, your health's in the toilet or you die, then, you know, you or your family can then sue them. That's the, that's the process that the environmental um, protection agency has for you. Mm -hmm. So um, let's do a, a, you know, you brought up that thing where the kids became violent when the toxins came in. Mm -hmm. You see this right here. If you can see that it says a brief history of psychotropic drugs prescribed in mass murders. Um, You know, Every time there's like a school shooting or something like that, I've dug into it and um, these people are always on pharmaceutical drugs. And what are those? Those are chemicals, right? And there's a certain pot, there's a certain amount of these people that are going to become, they're going to lose their mind. They're going to lose their, 
And this, like every single time, like this, this person actually went through and, and documented the people and what they did and the people they killed from 1981 on. And almost every single time they were with uh, these pharmaceutical drugs. Now let's say, well, it only affects one out of a thousand. Well, when you have 19 million people on that drug, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you got a, a large part of the population that's going to be, you know, shooting up schools and stuff like that. They try to blame, blame it on the gun. You can't have guns. You can't have security guards at the school. You can't allow the retired Marine who's the, you know, earth science teacher to have a gun, but um, it's okay to have guns to protect money in a bank, but you don't want it to protect our children. I mean, this stuff is just so silly to me, you know, but it's like, this is another example right here. Chemicals cause anger. Chemicals cause violence. We're actually doing this. If your child is having anger issues, why not look at his, what he's doing all day long? He's taking 20,000 breaths. What is he or she breathing? Right. What is he or she breathing? I remember another lady, she was into essential oils big time and she did a case study. She was a teacher. And so she started um, doing, I think it was orange essential oil and something else. And literally when she had that orange essential oil going, the kids were more relaxed. They studied better. They had better retention and they got better grades just from essential oil. Wow. Right. Imagine having a green, like, well, I don't even want to say the word green, but healthy building products and paints and all that stuff. Right. Fresh air coming in from outside and essential oils going. Yeah. Wow. There's a recipe for a healthy child and a, and a, <laughs> and a great learning environment. Right. Yeah, you know, uh, several years ago, I gave a presentation to the uh, an association of painting and decorating contractors, and interesting, a room full of painters and wallpaper hangers, and I mentioned a little study that was done years ago about the correlation between the paint industry and, and specifically the contractors, the laborers putting on the product day in and day out, mm-hmm. and substance abuse. And the entire room just kind of collectively sighed and scoffed and so forth. But I had a half a dozen painters come up to me afterwards and say, thank God you said something because our industry is just riddled with drug abuse. And that's because that a lot of the chemicals used in the industry in paints and coatings and so forth are actually classified as narcotics. And so when, when painters aren't getting their, their fix in the products they're using, they're supplementing with drugs or alcohol. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it makes total sense. It's like it's yeah. all like glue sniffing. That's a remember, that's exactly remember right. that was going on for a while. Kids were like sniffing right. glue and shit like that. Exactly. So imagine what that's doing to people unbeknownst to them, where they're just living with this. And you know, in the house, God, it's, it's it's think it's about so diabolical when you think. Yeah. About it. I mean, you said it before, the 3,000 chemicals that are, that are used in the manufacturing of carpet. I mean, carpet will off-gas, and I've tested it myself. It'll off-gas toxic levels of formaldehyde for over 30 years. Yeah, just like clothing. Right. And so just- think about that, that chemical soup that builds up. And most people are born with the ability to filter out these chemicals from the blood system. Mm-hmm. Most people. Uh, I like to relate this as we're all born with a a, a, a 55 gallon drum in our system, and the, the the drum collects these chemicals and it filters out at the bottom. Well, at some point in our life, that drum's going to 
fill up and overflow. And once it overflows, that's what chemical sensitivity is. It's now overflowing and there's no way to stop it. And every new chemical they come in contact with is causing an overflow and their body's reacting. Check this out. My girlfriend just did another liver gallbladder flush. All the stones that came out of her this morning. Wow. Oh. You see that? Yep. So for the, you guys that are listening, you can't see that. Why Andy's going, oh, oh, because he's, <laughs> he's seeing hundreds of stones, um, oh. liver stones that are coming out from all this toxic pollution. See, this is one of the things that we, we teach over here, Andy, is we, you know, like you do a good job of bringing awareness and then you help people use the building materials to stop putting that crap in. Right. What we do over here is we bring awareness and then we show people how to not only stop putting it back in, like by bringing people in like you, but we show them how to get the crap out of the body. Right. So there's two things, you know, two things there. Definitely. So if, if you guys are interested, just listening here um, and you want to learn more about our liver gallbladder flush, um, I don't, I've never done this before, but um, we have a private group coaching community and we're leading you hand by hand through these processes. People don't realize this, dude. Like when I'll, we'll, we'll do a liver, we'll, we'll have, make sure their pathway of elimination is clean first. We kind of get them all prepared. You just don't jump into this stuff. And then we'll do it every month. We'll do a liver, gall, we'll, we'll teach them how to do a liver gallbladder flush and hundreds of these stones will come out <laughs> and you keep doing it every single month until they stop coming out. Cause you have to all, all think about all those bile ducts and how they're all plugged up. It's a safety protective mechanism. Your body's taking all this cooked processed, nasty foods and all these toxic chemicals. And it's just an overload. It can, it can only bear so much burden. And then eventually one day it shuts down. And the problem is, is that when you go to your doctor, they're actually testing like for liver enzymes. And when the enzymes uh, reach a certain point, they're like, Oh, now it's bad. And you might have cirrhosis of the liver or, you know, you got some, um, some issues there. But the problem is, is that it takes a tremendous, you could, you could have your whole liver almost full of these toxic um, stones before the enzymes will actually show un, uh, unhealthy levels on a blood test. So the doctors are not equipped with their diagnostic material to even let you know. And every single person that we've done this for has dropped hundreds and hundreds of stones. Wow. And we've seen people do this to avoid gallbladder surgeries. So we, we show them how to do surgery without a knife. And again, we're not doctors. We don't claim to be, but we do stuff like this. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking about Kristen Bowen earlier. She's got the magnesium company. She's 20 year veteran in magnesium. And she's going to be launching in our private group coaching community, uh, this uh, magnesium 30 day magnesium challenge to get full cell saturation on magnesium. Something that's missing, you know, um, because the soil has been disturbed, um, and it's just not getting into the root system of plants anymore. So like these are the, I love getting down to um, the root problems of things. All right. So I'm, I'm totally off on topics, other stuff now. So <laughs> that happens a lot. Um, okay. So we, um, what I want to do now is um, why don't we talk a little bit about um, you talked about VOC. So these are vol VOCs or volatile organic compounds. Um, they really only apply to outdoor smog stuff. So if you're buying anything that goes in the house that says free of VOCs or VOC good or whatever, or you, you're probably being misled. Is that Correct. a safe ass assessment? Yes, it is. Okay. So that's a warning sign. Like for me, like when I'm teaching people to read food labels, if you see the word natural flavors, you need to run to the door, mm -hmm. not walk because th that for, for, for 70 years, that means only 10% can be needs to be natural by law. The other 90% can be pure chemicals. And they usually are about that average and that mm -hmm. mixture because chemicals are cheaper. Mm -hmm. 
They're cheaper. And why do they put natural flavors on there? Just tell me what the damn flavor is. Right. Like list it out. You know, well, interesting. You say natural because, you know, we talk about these all the time, what's called greenwashing, which is essentially taking, taking a product and trying to market it to people by using terms or phrases that make it seem more eco-friendly or healthy somehow to the buyer. So started years ago with fat-free or sugar-free. Um, gluten-free is one that's happening now in the food industry. I mean, you know more about that than I do, but mm -hmm. in my industry, natural is a huge form of greenwashing. If somebody says to me, buy this product, it's 100% it's natural. My response is, so is asbestos. So is tobacco. Uh, there's a lot of natural materials that are highly, highly toxic. Cyanide. You know, there's a lot of natural materials that are highly toxic. Tell me something beyond that. And greenwashing typically is when manufacturers use a single attribute to prove how healthy and environmentally friendly it is. Can you give me some example? Give us some examples and stuff that people are using in their day to day life that are being purported as, um, you know, healthy when they're not. Sure. Uh, again, the the whole VOC thing is is a, a big one because mm -hmm. manufacturers are being forced by the EPA to reduce their overall VOC emissions, and so paints, coatings, flooring materials, cabinetry, anything made with manufactured wood. Now they're using the VOC regulation as their metric on whether their products can even be sold. So we surround ourselves every day with materials that are considered zero VOC, but yet that doesn't tell you whether it's healthy or not. It just tells you whether it's better for the environment. So that's one. Um, well, hey, real quick on that. So I read that there's like, it's kind of weird, like, how the EPA is forcing this VOC thing on us that mm -hmm. really doesn't really matter at all for indoor building products at all. Right. But so a company has certain levels of VOCs, but isn't it, it's not for individual products. So they could have like one product that's like super low VOCs, but they have, they could have another product that has higher, it meets the, it meets their standards, but they're still pushing all that stuff out into the environment. Is that right? It is. And, and here's how, uh, there are essentially two different types of standards. One is at the manufacturing level. EPA says to a manufacturer that you have to lower your overall VOC load, mm -hmm. kind of like cafe standards for automobiles. If you have 10 different vehicles in your lineup, if they average out to be 20 or 25, whatever the, the EPA says, then you then you are you pass. That means you can have one vehicle that gets 60 miles per gallon and another vehicle that gets six, but it averages out, it's okay. So VOCs are the same thing. So a manufacturer of paint can have um, 20 different products that are super high VOC, real high toxicity, uh, very high in solvent load. As long as they're making this, you know, an equivalent amount of zero VOC product to counteract that, then they're okay. So that's, that's at the manufacturing side. On the building side, the usable side, because there are more green building standards being incorporated throughout municipal buildings, uh, even down to residential buildings, people are being uh, sometimes forced to building what are called eco-friendly homes. 
they have to use products that have a certain VOC level or lower. Mm-hmm. So there's two different standards that are being used. The second one is, you know, that's the one where people are getting somewhat duped into buying products that are meeting the regulation, meeting the standard, but they don't consider actual toxicity of the ingredients. They just look at the VOC level and that's it. And so you can buy things that are loaded with acetone, loaded with ammonia, and they're still considered zero VOC, therefore they're okay. So that's the point that mm-hmm. I want people to get. So, oh, it's zero VOCs. It's safe. It's healthy for me. I feel good. I bought this can of paint. Look at me. Hey, miss right. all my neighbors. This is no mm-hmm. VOCs. We're super healthy, but it could have acetone in it. And while all the neighbors are sitting there listening to their spiel, uh, the acetone is accumulating in their liver. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and think of carpeting. You know, there's an ingredient in carpet that causes that telltale carpet smell. It's called trichloroethane. Mm-hmm. Uh, trichloroethane, although it's a it's a toxin, and we all know what that smell is, it's actually considered unregulated by the via, by the EPA, so it can be used and it doesn't have to be disclosed. And your baby can crawl around and sniff on it. Correct. And you can Correct. wrestle your four year old. Yes. Yep. Put you in a in a headlock and right. and you can damage your liver. Right. But you I'm know wonderful. if you. If you peel the skin off of an orange, you're actually releasing 850 grams per liter of VOCs, Mm. orange oils. It's a solvent, essentially. And so this is why it just makes no sense that we use VOC as a metric for anything health-related because some VOCs are completely harmless to humans. Some are very toxic. And many of them are never even disclosed, so we don't even know what they are. Well, it makes perfect sense because the government's involved. <laughs> yes. They're corrupt. Not all of them, but most of them, it's, it's corrupt. And um, and there's it's, it's paid for. It's called checkbook science. Yes. That's what it is. And then yep. you have all these people. Get, hey, give me, we'll give you $30 million to study VOCs. Great. No, I want to study. Let's say you're working in a university and you're like, no, I want to give me $30 million. I want to study healthy building compounds. Mm -hmm. They're not going to give you the money. No. But if you want to study VOCs, you're going to get 30 million. Go do, here's the funding, go do it because that fits the narrative. Right. And then you get this thing called scientific consensus where you have all these scientists that are getting um, all these, this money to do this testing or whatever they're doing for VOCs. And, and then that's what policy is based on. Mm-hmm. which is affecting how the building materials are regulated and how they're made and how they're tested, which it sounds like they're not tested at all. Very. Right. And then the only way for you to find out if they're bad is, um, you know, you basically end up in court. That's it. Sad. And so, you know, keep or in people mind. People just don't the, even know. They don't even know they get sick right. and die or they have these issues and it's, they don't even know and, their house. And is it's hard to connect the dots. It's very hard mm-hmm. to connect the dots. And yeah. so several years ago, uh, Senator Lautenberg uh, was, trying to put together a new, what's called a Safer Chemicals Act, where he wanted to list, you know, right now we have what's called a red list of chemicals that you cannot use in products, mm-hmm. or if you do use, you have to disclose it. Now, this is making its way throughout the building industry, but there's only about 200 and some 220 chemicals on that list. I mean, it's not a very big list out of 100,000, right? Um I got involved a little bit in working with with the senator, and my recommendation was instead of having a list of chemicals we can't use, 
why don't you make manufacturers list every chemical that they do use on their literature, on, you know, on their packaging, 100% transparency, and within a month, all the toxic materials that are being sold to us will probably be off the shelves. Once you give people the ability to actually see what's in that product and you give experts the ability to research those ingredients, provided that they're not changing the chemical names and they're not you know, pulling the, the, the wool over our eyes, if they had to provide 100% transparency, there's probably, I bet 90% of the building materials that we use today would be off the shelves. Well, let's hope so. Yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. Right. You know, full disclosure, geez, um, this is get, here's this is what you're buying. Who would have thought of that? Right. We're going to take another quick break. When we get back, Andy, I want to get into green building practices, and then let's get into some of the solutions of what people can do in, in their home and in their workplace to um, protect themselves from these toxic building chemicals. We'll be right back. You want the absolute best for yourself, and you want it to be easy. That's why we created Green 85. It helps with detoxifying the body gently. We're proud it's chemical-free, unlike almost all other supplements you'll find. Bottom line, Green 85 will get you healthier. We look forward to hearing what Green 85 did for you. To get this product and our other amazing products, go to chemicalfreebody.com. That's chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Andy Pace, thegreendesigncenter.com. Everything healthy, building products. Andy's the man. Um, so fortunate to have you on today, man, to expose and bring awareness to stuff that people are, you know, I can tell you 10 years ago, I was clueless on all this stuff. Completely clueless because you don't think about it. No. You know, you're busy raising your kids, trying to make the mortgage payment, going to baseball practice, soccer practice, taking your wife out on a date or taking your husband out on a date, all these things, taking care of parents, visiting. We, we're just trying to live our lives, you know, and it's like you have to become a NASA scientist to figure out what the heck's going on sometimes with these things that you would you think you'd be protected. But we're finding out that we're definitely not protected. It's actually the opposite. So, all right, man, let's get into the truth about green building practices, that whole green movement, what's really behind it and what's, you know, what's the breakdown of what it's actually accomplishing compared to what reality should be when you're talking about healthy building practices. Sure. So in the late 1990s, when the U.S. Green Building Council started, uh, they created a building checklist called LEED. Uh, which stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design. From that point, all just about every building checklist that has been developed is a, a, you know, a derivative of, of the LEED program. Essentially, you earn points towards a certain level of approval based upon what you put into the building or what you don't put into the building. The only section that dealt with human health was the section on indoor air quality and the metric that they used to determine indoor air quality was VOC. Yeah. Because at the time, <laughs> well, at the time, that was the only metric available. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, 
the industry as a whole has done a very poor job of developing a different metric that we can use to determine whether or not a product is healthy or not. I mean, as we said, 100,000 chemicals being used in a product, we don't know how they, how they interact to, to each other uh, as a product cures, you know, what is created during that curing process. And so what metric do you use? Well, the only metric that we know of, of VOC can easily be detected. So it's like determining um, ozone outside. You know, it's very easy for people to measure ozone levels. What they're actually using that for is to determine how much smog is in the air. But that's mm -hmm. a that's a different topic. Um, in a building, they can measure um, VOCs very easily. It's a very broad brush. But if you want to measure for individual chemicals, you have to know what you're measuring for. So there's there's no physical way to measure for a hundred thousand different chemicals in a building. Expensive. So too. they developed that broad brush approach. If we lower the VOC content, well, what would happen is people who had chemical sensitivities, allergies, asthma, depressed immune systems, they would go into these buildings that are considered lead gold, lead platinum. These supposedly the most eco-friendly of buildings out there, and they have to walk out in five minutes because the chemical off-gassing was killing them, was choking them. Yeah, because the metrics don't allow for that. They they don't allow for anything about actual toxicity. And so, there have been some movements to provide uh, what are called um, full product declarations. We talked about this before with with transparency. But right now, most of that is a uh, on your honor system. There's no third party that's actually reviewing and saying, you know, you are telling me the truth. Mm -hmm. And so we are left with, I guess, the the old fashioned way of doing it anecdotally and saying, well, I've helped 30,000 people over the last 30 years live in a healthier home. And these are people who have extreme chemical sensitivities they react to the slightest amount of off-gassing. If they can use this particular product and, and they have no reaction whatsoever, then chances are everybody else is going to be fine with it too. Yeah. And there's then that's and that's the problem we have. There is no scientific evidence besides doing a formaldehyde test. We do a test called FRAT, which tests for formaldehyde release. Um, and and the VOC test and so forth, but unless you're you're knowing what you're testing for, there's no good way to do it. So we have to do it based upon anecdotal and what we know has worked so far. It seems to me like this whole lead program. Uh, um, my ex-wife, she was an architect, mm -hmm. and I remember she was coming up, and then she was like, "Oh, it looks like I need to get this green certification. I want to get it. Um, it. It looks good. It made me feel, made her feel good." And I was like, oh, yeah. And you see these buildings going up like downtown Portland. All of a sudden now they got trees and bushes on the top and and they're using recycled stuff. And it makes people feel good about, oh, it's yes. it's, it's, it's healthy. It's good for the environment. This is this is good. Mm -hmm. That's what a decent person would think. This is a good thing. Lead, lead. But what you're telling me is that people with the chemical sensitivities, they walk in and they got to walk out because it's a toxic mess for human beings. Well, yeah. So, so how really good is it? So, you know what this really is? This reminds me of like, it's like politics. Like you have the obvious establishment, the people that are the bad actors that mm -hmm. it, it, we know they're just scumbags, but for some reason you can't ever get them out of office. And, and now we know why, because mm -hmm. of the uh, the weighted race feature inside of the election software. But 
Over to the right, you have these people that are the not so obvious establishment. These are the ones that say the things we want to hear. We're for the working class people. Um, mm-hmm. We're for safe vaccinations and, and these types of things. And they put on a front and they might even have lawsuits going against a pharmaceutical company. But the reality is, is you have a billion dollar pharmaceutical company. Mm-hmm. You have this little petty lawsuit and, make, and you have the optics that you're doing something. Even if they pay out a little bit, it's no big deal because they're still in business. They're making billions. It's chugging along. Mm-hmm. The not so obvious establishment is they're even, I think, even more diabolical than the ones who are just saying, hey, I'm a jerk and I'm not I'm going <laughs> to screw you. Well, at least right? we know well, at least it's they're up front. Right. Yeah. So you have this lead thing. The lead yeah. program is like the not so obvious establishment. It's and, part and of it. Yes. And I, I will say, full disclosure, I was on the board of directors of the U.S. Green Building Council uh, here in Wisconsin for many years. Um, so I, I know the organization pretty well from the inside out. I actually quit the board under protest because I decided I, I actually told them in my in my um, uh, letter uh, of resignation that the only reason that U.S. Green Building Council exists is to exist. It's to become a bureaucracy of its own. Um, and not to get too political, I don't know your audience, but I mean, the the biggest um, uh, donator- Just lay it out to, there, baby, lay it out there. <laughs> the, the biggest donator to the U.S. Green Building Council from the start has been the Clinton Foundation. Mm-hmm. And, and so the whole thing was political from the start. Obvious. And so- it, from from a taxpayer standpoint, what's happening is a, a municipality, let's say Portland, because Portland was one of the early adopters, they would say, all right, we are going to make sure that all of our new uh, municipal buildings are lead gold or higher. Mm-hmm. These buildings end up costing anywhere between 10 and 30% more than a building built without those building standards. Yeah. To this day, there has still not been proof that a lead building actually saves energy when it's been put into use. Lead has been out for 20 years plus, right? You build a, you build a building that's that's um, 20% more in cost. It's supposed to be more energy efficient. That's leadership in energy and environmental design. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be more energy efficient. Taxpayers are paying extra for this building, but because people want to open a window because they want fresh air once in a while, because they forget to um, close the window at night, because somebody turns the air conditioning up higher or down lower, whatever the case is, these buildings don't actually operate as energy efficiently as they were planned to be operating. There is no proof that lead buildings actually are saving anybody money. But then the argument is, yes, but it's saving the environment. But is it? We don't know. Well, and if, so, it's, if it's off-gassing toxic chemicals and people are having to run out of the building, then I would say no. Well, and th- this is where the argument comes at the whole um, global warming versus global climate change and how the, the narrative is being changed in order to fit what's actually happening. Well, I can, so, I can sum that up real quick. Yeah, and so th- this is where Jesus. we get caught up in because people ask us all the time, well, are your products certified for use in a lead building? And I would say, I, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't really care because it has nothing to do with human health. This is, we exist because of the human health issue. There are other companies that get involved in the, in the recycled content and the energy efficiency. We really like to focus on human health because it's something that's tangible. You can see it, you know an effect pretty quickly, whether something is healthy or unhealthy. You know, you mentioned the use of recycled content. 
in a, in a LEED certified building, if you use recycled rubber flooring, you get point values to give you to towards your LEED certification. Mm-hmm. Recycled rubber flooring is literally old automobile and truck tires that have been ground up and turned into flooring materials. And it'll smell like rubber for the next 100 years. But that's considered LEED approved. Yeah, it's it's the whole thing silly. It's kind of like the the windmills. Right? Yes. In the Columbia Gorge here, beautiful gorge. It's amazing. And yeah. now it looks like Star Wars. We have all these massive things going on. And I actually, in one of my uh, detox and nutrition classes, I had one of the head um, engineers at my table mm-hmm. breaking bread with this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we were doing raw, raw food. But, and he said, they rushed the program. It was about optics. He said, they just wanted to make it look like we're trying to do good things. It was during the Obama administration, sure. right? He said, I told them they needed to double the height of the poles where the, you know, they put the the, the right. blades up top and that would like quadruple the output or quintuple the output or something like that. Sure. It was like, I can't remember exactly, but they had, they need to double the height. They said, no, we don't have time to do that. We got to get it out. And they started making these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I also know, because I grew up over in Eastern Oregon and I hunted and fished and I knew some of these farmers, all of a sudden these farmers are getting tons of money to put these things on there. And they're building these yeah. 6,500 square foot mansions out in the middle of nowhere, you know, around, around the cattle yard, literally because mm-hmm. they got cows and you talk to the ranchers when you're chucker hunting and stuff like that. And like, what's up with you like these things? They're like, well, they pay me a shitload of money to have them here. But, you know, most of the time they don't work. They're broke all the time. And yep. then when they are working, there's a shitload of dead birds underneath it. Right. Because it just it's just it's just like it chews up birds like crazy. Yeah. So how 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 good is that for the environment? Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's optics. It's part of theater. It's like WWF wrestling. Right. Right. It's not real. It's just right. uh, some some illusion to make everybody think they're feeling good. And here, click this box, and you know, eight five percent of your your electrical bill will be green. Yeah. Oh, that makes me feel good. It's like, well, when you click on that, you're killing a bunch of birds, and you're wasting a bunch of you're wasting money. And those things really they don't they just don't work. Well, you know, it, it's it a lot of times it comes down to the unintended consequence of trying to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example of this. With uh, incandescent light bulbs, when we were told that we can no longer purchase incandescent light bulbs, we all have to purchase these compact fluorescent light bulbs because, you know, they last longer, they're energy saving, so on and so forth, right? Well, the unintended consequence is that groundwater is getting polluted or has gotten polluted because of all the mercury that comes out of a compact fluorescent light bulb when you throw it away in a landfill. They're toxic anyway. Yeah. So um, you, you you break an incandescent bulb in your house, no worries. You, you sweep it up, you clean it up, you move on. You break a compact fluorescent in your house. Uh, most studies show that the only way to get rid of the mercury that's found in the flooring material like carpet is to replace the carpet. So now, we spend, you know, $4 on a light bulb to replace, a, to, to save a few dollars in energy to now have to spend $2,000 to replace our carpet because we broke a bulb makes no sense whatsoever. And got, ex- and got exposed to it in the meantime. Right. All right. So these green building practices, um, lead certification, it's basically a, a con job. 
it, it's again, try the, the idea is, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They're trying as far to as human health goes. Yeah. Yeah. As far as human health is concerned. No, there's no improvement in human health in a, in a, in a green building. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's, before we run out of time here, let's get into some of the solutions now. Like, sure. so what, you know, I want to paint my room. Let's say I want to put down, um, carpet in my bedroom and I want to paint my room and then I'm doing a bathroom and I want to have, you know, the floors and the countertops, you know, what, what, what would I call you? What would you recommend? All right. So the simple, the simple solution here is that or the simple answer would be 90% of the chemical off gassing that happens inside of a home will come from the things you can see and touch that are just around you. And I, I'm looking at you now uh, through the through the computer monitor. I see carpet. I see uh, cabinetry, doors, painted doors, um, some um, uh, some artwork on the walls, and so forth. Honestly, most of the chemical offgassing that will ever come in contact with you will come from flooring is number one, and carpet is the absolute worst. Okay. Uh, if somebody were to ask me, what's the one thing I can do today to make my home healthy immediately, I'd say take out all the carpets and take out all the area rugs. Live on a plywood subfloor until you can afford to put something else down. Now, is it uncomfortable? Hell yes. Is it unsightly? Yeah, of course it is. But carpeting will off-gas formaldehyde and other chemicals for well over 25, 30 years. Uh, Dr. Rosalind Anderson, many years ago, did a study on old carpet. I think she was using carpet that was about 15 to 20 years old. And she found that with a shaft of light coming through a window and it heats up carpet to about 90 degrees, the off-gassing just from that one area is enough to kill laboratory rats. Hmm. And imagine what that's doing in her house day in and day out on yeah. all the surfaces. So, Same thing with it because the carpets are made from crude oil through that 3000 chemical process, just like your polyesters and your nylons on your, your shirts and your pants and your undies and your Lycra bras. So um, I know um, some friends of ours, they did a test after 1000 washes. It was still these, these chemical shirts are still off gassing 97%. Unreal. Unreal. Okay. So I, the carpets throughout the carpets. Yeah. So flooring materials is number one. Wall surfaces, number two, your painted surfaces. So don't just use a, a low or a zero VOC water-based paint. We always recommend the Safe Coat products. That's the only one that has a 30 plus year track record of actually being successfully used by the most chemically sensitive individuals in this I country. I see it behind you in your, that bottle there says Safe That's Coat. right, yeah. Is that your company? So no, we're actually a, a distributor for them. Uh, I started working with them well early on in, in my days, and um, Safe coat. I haven't I haven't used anything since. It's it, it's a, a high quality premium grade paint that um, comes in many sheens, thousands of colors. At the end of the day, it's it once it's fully cured, it's not going to off gas. So and they, can, put, can they can they just do it right over the top of the existing garbage stuff, and it'll seal it and protect yep. it. Yep. If you put this over an existing paint, it will seal up the off gassing from that paint. Nice. Yes. Nice. That's great. So floors, paint, uh, walls. Now the third is probably the uh, one that people forget about quite a bit: cabinetry and woodwork. 
Um, cabinetry and woodwork is typically made using manufactured wood products. So your press boards, your OSBs, plywoods, this is where you're going to get a lot of urea formaldehyde coming from the adhesives that press all that together. So there are coatings by AFM to seal that up, uh, or, you know, we advocate for removal and replacement of non-toxic furniture. And the last thing is actually things that you've already talked about, your own clothing, uh, your own furnishings throughout the room. Uh, the things that uh, we surround ourselves on a daily basis is the fourth um, biggest offender of chemical off-gassing in our house. Hmm. So, you know, getting a good air purification system in the house is crucial. You, you, um, what air purification do you do you recommend, if any? So I, I work with a couple. Um, if you're looking for a portable, let's say you're just you're in an apartment, you can't uh, put in a, a whole house filtration system. I always recommend the Austin brand, A U S T I N. Uh, it contains a high amount of carbon, and carbon is what you need to absorb chemical fumes. And then in, inside of a home, if you are if you do have your own HVAC system or furnace and air conditioning system, I recommend the Dynamic RS4. The RS4 whole house purification system takes care of the three main ways of purifying air. It's got a HEPA filter for your your particles, a UV light for all your pathogens, your viruses, bacteria, mold spores, and it's got carbon for your VOCs, formaldehyde, and chemical gases. The Dynamic RS4 whole house system. Yes. Cool. Yeah, I'm uh, in the market for that. So we're um, what we're doing over here is like we want to make sure that people have um, that's my goal with my company is the best air purification systems. We want to hook up with those companies, market those best water purification systems. Um, we have products and supplements to detox the body and get that out. And then just like, boop, boop, boop. we're just going to, you know, it's all about, you know, whatever we can help people do to maintain their chemical free body. Right. Excellent. Get all this garbage out of their body so that they don't have that drag on the immune system. Right. Like literally like from all the toxic chemicals we've been talking about today, we are literally exposed to this stuff 24, seven, 365 days a year. And so are our little babies, Correct. even in the womb. They're, they're already exposed. Right. That was my takeaway about eight, nine years ago. I'm like, oh my God, we're all polluted. Right. So we have to have a awareness, number one, and then we have to take action. And we want to be taking action in the right way, not just going down and like, oh, I'm driving a, a hybrid car and I'm eating organic oats. Okay. That's not going to do it. You know, you have to really look at deeper because those organic oats um, could be genetically modified. And then that's going to screw up the plant's metabolism. And then, you know, they're when, did you know that when you do GMOs, the metabolism, of the plant gets disturbed and then the plant produces formaldehyde. Wow. So you're eating formaldehyde oats, right. Yeah. As an example. Mm -hmm. So we have to go deeper just because something that's got a, a, a green uh, leaf on it and it right. says certified this or that mm -hmm. you have to look beyond the certification. There's a lot of these cancer awareness places like, uh, you know, race for the cure and all this stuff. They're not racing for a cure. That's how no. they make their money. No, exactly. If we are racing for the cure. Then we would understand that our immune system is the cure. And what's really causing our problems is the environment that our cells are being exposed to. I mean, I get this all the time. Like they did all this genetic, you know, all this work for years, this genetic testing, like 
they, they take a healthy cell, they put it into a Petri dish with a bunch of known carcinogens. They know the cell is going to mutate into cancer mm-hmm. and they study it and try to come up with a synthetic to stop that process. <laughs> Why not just not put your cell in that environment? In that environment, right. So it doesn't mutate. Well, Clean I up think your environment. We, like Bruce Lipton said, it's the environment, stupid. Well, right. And we need to do a better job of, of um, verifying the information that we're being fed. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that old saying, trust but verify. I, I don't trust manufacturers at all. Um, I distrust every one of them. And then I do the research to, to not only prove my own, um, my own theory, but also to show what we can use in its place, uh, which is, you know, why, you know, our consulting services, I mean, I, 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 right now I'm working on probably 30 new homes across the country for people who are trying to build a healthy home. So I have 30 people actively involved in building a home and I'm working with them one-on-one. And as we talked about off the air earlier, running out of time to work with these people and, 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 but they require so much help. There's so much handholding in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, well, we really want to do carpet and we don't want to do uh, there are there is a brand of carpet made here in the U.S. called Earthweave, which is an all wool carpet. The wool's not treated with any pesticides or chemical dyes. The backing is hemp, jute, cotton, and natural latex right from the rubber tree. It's as you like it as you can get. You like the product? I love the product. What's the name of it? Earthweave. Earthweave. Okay. Yep, and so. But somebody will say, yeah, but it's $60 a yard and there's not a lot of colors. Well, of course, there's not a lot of colors because they don't use chemical dyes. And they say, well, I got this Shaw product or this Mannington product that um, somebody said is, is completely zero VOC and formaldehyde free. Why can't we just use that? And then I look at it and I say, well, you do know that zero VOC is kind of a ridiculous statement because the, we talked about it before, trichloroethane is not considered a VOC. So therefore it's never been a VOC in, in carpet. Um, number one, number two, I actually tested um, two green built homes a few years back. And these are homes built to the lead standards. And they used a particular brand of what was called formaldehyde free carpet is you know the most eco-friendly carpet made. And it was releasing somewhere around 400 parts per billion of formaldehyde. Delicious. And I, and I got the <laughs> cease and desist letter from the manufacturer, of course. You cannot give this information because it can't be verified. And I said, I'll tell you what. If you donate a square yard of your carpet, I will pay the $8,000 to have a chamber tested and we'll find out exactly what's in that carpet. They came back a few weeks later and said, you know what? We did a little more research and we found that the dye manufacturer that we contract with for our fibers uses formaldehyde in the dye. So they market their carpet as being, we don't add any formaldehyde, which they don't. Their dye, their their fiber manufacturer uses a a, a formaldehyde-based dye, and therefore they're not the ones adding it. So it's just basically semantics. Yeah. But that's how they get, get people to buy their stuff. Here's the deal. Like everybody listening here, I hope you guys share this episode. It's so important because the reality is, is that you have to find people like Andy that actually cares and is willing to bite the bullet, make less money, work harder, uh, you know, and basically take a bunch of arrows in the back 
Yeah. Right. Cause you're, 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 you know, you're the, you're the leader in the deal. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, dude, it's been awesome. I mean, I could talk to you for hours about stuff. Um, I had a bunch of notes here. I think I got through about half of it. Um, it's just, um, if, man. Uh, and Dr. Dr. Doris Rapp's book, um, is, is this your child's, what was it? Is this your child's school? She's written a couple of books. School, is yeah. this your child? Is this your child's school? Uh, some other add-ons, basically talking about what we are surrounding our children with on a daily basis. Well, yeah, because think about it. You do everything right at home and just send your kid off to school and they could be exposed to mode, trimethyl, chlor, all these things. Right. And, and they could be getting sick. Um, there was like, it's like whether it's an old building that's full of old toxins and crap like that, and it's full of holes in air, it's getting some fresh air in there, that could be toxic to kids. And yes. the new buildings, they, they button them up so tight that nothing can escape. And based on just because it says it's green, you send your kid off to a green school, you're not. You're sending them to a, a, a chemical coffin, basically. It's a toxic to box. Toxic yeah, box. it's terrible, terrible. So, you know, um, really important stuff. And what's the, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, best way probably is the website, thegreendesigncenter.com. Okay. And through there, you can book consultation services or um, you know, even just ask some simple questions. I'm always happy to help. Cool. So it looks like, Andy, you've got a consultation service. You can take people one-on-one by the hand. Uh, that seems to be kind of running out. So if anybody, because <laughs> of your time, right. um, if you guys want to do that, you're building a home or building a commercial building and you actually care about your clients or the, or the employees and the people in there, you definitely want to do it right. Especially if you're going to go to the office every day, you could be, you know, your your home, your home and your office is either going to be um, neutral and not harm you, or it can be slowly killing you and you won't even know it. Correct. Right? Remember, nail polish, that acetone in 15 minutes will be detectable in your liver. Yeah. Think about that and think about hundreds of thousands of these acetone type chemicals that we're exposed to in building products today. We have to be smart about this. And we can change industry, guys. We can change industry by giving our money to companies like Andes and companies like Safecoat. And then that will give them more money to grow. And then that will force the other competition to change or they can just go out of business. You know, um, when Henry Ford developed the, the Model T, it didn't matter how good of a buggy maker you were. You're out of business, right? <laughs> Things changed, right? So we can we we have all the car, we hold all the cards because we have the buying dollars. Give your money to good people that are doing good things, like Andy, and he's got a coaching consulting practice. Um, his time is very valuable, and I know you're you know it's probably expensive to. Um, that's why you do those 15 minute increments. You can just kind of launch people, and I would encourage you, Andy, like I talked earlier, to get some type of a weekly group coaching where people can. I think I would do it. Yeah. I would participate and spend, you know, um, 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks a month just to have access to you on a monthly basis. Um, and I think it would be, uh, it would be a very valuable tool for people um, because then they can stop polluting themselves. Um, Definitely. And we just don't know because it's everything. Right. Like, and you can't do it all at once sometimes. Like you, if you're coming on your coaching every week and then all of a sudden one week you're talking about carpet. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that month or six months later, you finally you get carpet handled, right? Right. You learn about a bunch of other stuff from your coaching, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's now it's time to paint the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And okay, now oh, that's easy. We're we're going to use safe coat, but there's probably some intricacies there and some okay. safe removal practices, and you know how to hire a contractor, and you know I'm sure you can cover all these little these little nuances. Well, and, and I've actually, and I mentioned before, I, I started a podcast called Non-Toxic Environments, three words. 
got about 140, 150 episodes out there. And uh, it started off as a way to sort of clear my mind for the day. Uh, I can talk to up to 30 people a day in, in all various types of construction, remodeling projects. And it was just a way to clear my mind every day or every week to say, here's what's been discussed and here's what we need to do to make our homes healthier. And we've discussed everything from hiring contractors to hiring consultants to finding the right, um, how to find the right land. You know, if you're concerned about electromagnetic fields, Wi-Fi, I know we were going to talk about that maybe some other time, but, um, you know, there are a lot of things we can do before even starting to plan the, a home build mm-hmm. just to find the right land to make sure it's a healthy space to, to grow. Yeah. Making sure you're so, not next to a chemical plant. Yeah, exactly. Power exactly. lines or one. Did you know about this one? Like I learned this years ago that like um, when you go to the mortuaries, mm-hmm. you know, where they, they burn the bodies and turn them into ashes. You don't want to live within five miles, especially downwind of the mortuaries because they're burning people and their mouths are full of mercury. Oh, geez. Think about the mercury. It's just, and it's going all over the houses. So I like, I drive by this one mortuary. I'm like, oh, everybody around here is sucking down mercury. Yeah, right. And they don't know it, but it's microscopic. It's small. It goes Uh into their mouth, into their nose, up their orifactory nerve from their nose into their brain. And then what does that lead to? Alzheimer's, dementia, memory loss. Well, deterioration of the brain. Yeah. You know, quickly on that note, uh, concrete, new, fresh, new concrete is usually full of fly ash, which is a, uh, recycled material that comes from the smokestacks of coal-fired energy plants. Mm-hmm. They add that now as a as an eco-friendly recyclable or recycled material. Well, when you burn coal, what do you expose? Mercury. Mm. So now concrete that's been poured in the last 20 years will all contain fly ash, and that fly ash releases mercury slowly over time out of your concrete. Man, those poor concrete workers. The concrete workers and everybody who's got, who's living on a Jesus. concrete slab or a basement, it's it's remarkable. It's like they it's like they signed up for the the, the tour of duty with the army. They're gonna be exposed to burning uh-huh. trash and garbage and anthrax shots. You're gonna you wouldn't even think about it. I'm laying concrete and I'm poisoning myself. Right. Exactly right. And then everybody else who's walking on it, playing on it, they're going to be exposed to it. Too. Well, and under the guise of doing the right thing for the environment by using a recycled material, that's how we're now using this and accepting it. And nobody asks questions. Yes. Again, this is another perfect example of the obvious establishment, the people we know that are screwing us versus the not so obvious establishment, the people that we think that are doing good. We have these little logos on our thing that says, you know, um, eco-friendly, this kind of stuff. It gives us that warm, fuzzy feeling. And you're looking on the store shelf and boom, plant-based, eco-friendly. Oh, that's good. And you mm-hmm. buy it and you're off. You're busy. You don't have time to think about it. Right. And what did you just do? The, the not so obvious establishment has rerouted you and brought you right back into the obvious establishment. You're right back into the toxins and you think you're being all healthy for you and your family. These people are diabolical. They need to be exposed and we can change it. We can change it through awareness. So guys, thanks so much for tuning in. Andy, thanks for being here. Oh, of course. Thank you. We're going to have you back on. We have, I'd love to do it. Would you, if you'd like to do another show and, and guys, uh, you guys, health heroes out there, please take this episode, share it. We want your comments. We want your, um, uh, any, any, um, uh, questions you might have for Andy, 
um, for an upcoming show. That would be great. Um, make sure to check him out at thegreendesigncenter.com. That's thegreendesigncenter.com. He's got coaching. He's got all kinds of uh, cool ways for you to build a home or a commercial space and, and make sure that it's toxic free, especially for the 15 to 25% of you out there that have severe chemical sensitivities. And for those of you that don't have the chemical sensitivities, guess what? You do have chemical sensitivities. You just don't notice it. It's kind of a slow death. Mm-hmm. So if you if you want to um, stop dying slowly from these toxic chemicals, um, get a hold of Andy. He'll help you out. Um, his heart's in the right place, and he's actually doing the research, and he's got the practical experience of over 30,000 people on a day-to-day basis working with him, finding out what works and what doesn't work, which is a huge part of knowing what works, and he can help you out. So until next time, change yourself and change your world. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.